All right, today we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And this is going to be 1 Thessalonians class number 8. Uh, excuse me, class number 7. This will be class number 7. And we're going to pick up in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse number... We'll start in verse number 8. We'll start there and get in. We only have a few verses left in this chapter. So we'll go from verse 8 to verse number 13. For now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God. Uh, and we covered verse 8 and 9 in the last class, so we pick up here in verse 10. Night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face. Now, this is a situational verse where Paul is telling you, it's not just a doctrinal statement, it's not a statement of faith or anything like that. It's just a situational event. Paul says, we've been wanting to come see you. We sent Timothy to you. He brought us back some good news. But we've been praying night and day to see your face. Okay, we might not be able to put ourselves in that exact situation, but we can put ourselves in that situation with prayer. And this is one of the verses on prayer that I, if you go through your Bible and take out verses about prayer and build a Sunday school class or a sermon or something like that, this is one of those verses you should definitely use. Night and day prayer. This is, uh, this, is a, this is a, it's not just something we think of in the morning so we can say our little prayers, God bless Jim, amen. And don't think about Jim for the rest of the day. The things that we pray about, the Bible says we don't know how to pray as we are. The Holy Spirit ultimately knows and makes reference to God about the things that we do need. But that doesn't negate the necessity for prayer because our prayer ultimately builds our relationship with God. It, it builds our relationship with those that we are praying for. God knows what they need before we pray for it. But God sees our concern and not only that, we might be praying out of duty and might not have that much concern, but the more we do pray, even if it's, a, even if it's just of necessity that we pray, when we're praying about other people's necessities, their troubles, their trials, it builds a consciousness in our own mind about that need and how God can meet those needs so that the more we live and the more we grow and the more we pray, it, it transforms us. The Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Prayer is a great... Um, transformative part of our Christian life it transforms our mind into more dependence on God not just compassion for others because we know their needs but knowing that God can meet those needs and that sometimes we can meet our brother's needs if they need five dollars we could give them that but at the same time we're praying hey God this brother needs five dollars uh, maybe we do it, maybe we don't have the $5. We could meet it, or maybe we're not able to meet it. But by praying to God first, even if I've got $5 in my pocket to give to this brother that needs $5, I should still pray before I give it and after I give it. Because I want, I want God to have His hand on even the things that I can do. I can give this brother $5 and that's the end of the story. But there was a reason why he needed $5 to begin with. I could help this brother with this temptation or trial, but there was a reason he needed, needed help with that temptation or trial to begin with. Just because I give him the 
doesn't change the reason why he needed the $5. Sure, he can pay a bill or he can buy a little bit of food, but there was a reason that he was doing without to begin with. So even if I can meet my brother's needs out of my own pocket or out of my own mind, even if I have the answer for him, I'm still going to pray before I give him the $5. I'm still going to pray before I tell him what I believe is the biblical answer to his problems, temptation, trial, whatever it might be. Because my, my viewpoint always has to be principally that God is the author and finisher of our faith. God is the way maker. God is the solver of our problems, whether he uses another man to do it or not. And so Paul says, night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face. Perhaps, uh, there, I, say, I started to say perhaps, there's no doubt that Paul was being hindered from seeing these people again. But Paul's, Paul's idea here is we've been praying night and day for you. We see the need. We see that you need prayer. We see that we need to pray for you. We see that we need to keep a burden for you even though we're not standing right in front of your faces uh, 24-7. We're, we're gone. We're out of the picture. You're there by yourself. So we're praying for you night and day. But he says the end of that matter is, verse 11, now God himself. And our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct, your, direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you in, to increase and abound. He said, we're praying that we can see your face, but that has to be according to God's will. We're praying that your needs can be met, but it's God that will make you to increase and abound in love and toward one another and toward all men, even as we do towards you. So no matter if we're there or not there, no matter if we're able to make it or not make it, no matter if I'm able to give you the $5 or not give you the $5, God is the one that does these things. God is the one that gets the glory. God is the author and finisher. God is the one that invented this program. God's the one that came up with this plan. I might be used as an instrument to help you, but God is back of this. God is behind this. God's power is what's being transmitted. Not my wisdom, not my $5. That's God's $5. And so that's exactly what Paul's saying here. Night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love uh, one toward another and toward all men even as we do toward you. To the end... He may establish your heart. He may establish your heart unblameable in holiness before God. The end is that you're established in God. Not, not provided for or established by us, but that God will make you to increase in all these things and, and, and the end of that increase will be your establishment. Hearts unblameable in holiness. Wow, that's a lofty goal for us to strive for unblameable hearts the bible oftentimes says things like that ephesians 4 1 walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called that is a lofty goal that is a great charge who is sufficient for that but my soul the bible speaks about these things just like it's a possibility and which i believe it certainly is it's just that i i wouldn't speak for you but i speak for myself i'm too lazy many times to reach these great and lofty heights fleshly and carnal uh, is what i'm saying about myself this this keeps me from reaching some of these lofty heights but paul speaks about these lofty heights as if we were 
uh, as if we were committed, as if we sought for our strength from God, as if we endeavored to find these things, we certainly could find them. And that challenges me to try to do a little bit better from this day forward. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct, your, direct our way unto you and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men even as we do toward you to the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness. Lofty goal. Uh, in holiness before God, even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. And so this sets forth a goal in our life. Our goal, our zeal, our inspiration, all of our Christian service, all of our Christian ministry to others should be dead set on what kind of result it's going to produce at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Will we, will we meet him as novices? Will we meet him as disciples in training? Will we meet them, as Paul says, as those who are perfect, those who have come to a full age, come to a full maturity in the doctrines and the precepts of Christ, which is what perfection means, not sinless perfection, but maturity? How will we meet God in the fullness of time? whether it's by rapture, whether it's by the grave, how will we meet God at His coming? Will we meet Him as disciples, novices, teachers, undedicated teachers, uh, half-hearted teachers, full-blown, zealous uh, teachers, uh, desirous to make disciples, uh, teachers of men who will be able to teach others, men who will not only preach the faith but instill the faith in others and commit that to the next generation. How will he find us? And Paul says that his heart's desire, even if he can't make it down to where they are, his heart's desire. If he has to send Timothy to do it, that's fine. His heart's desire for them is not that through them he could be named a great evangelist or a great pastor or a great teacher, but his heart's desire for these people is that in the end they'd be established in their hearts unblameable in holiness before God even our father that's our that's our that's our almost our statement of faith you know sometimes we use second timothy chapter 2 verse 15 as our statement of faith study to show thyself approved unto God well we ought to be wanting to be approved unto God a lot of people study so they can prove Catholics wrong or prove Calvinists wrong. I have disagreements with uh, Catholics and Calvinists. I have disagreements with Pentecostals. I have a disagreements with lots of men who are preaching inside of my own uh, denomination, which is not really a denomination at all if we're independents. But I have disagreements within our own circles, and probably everybody does. But that's not what I'm looking for at the end. I'm looking... For those who I teach to be established when God comes. And I'm looking for myself to be established when God comes. And when we get our eyes off of that, uh, the results are so dangerous and so hard to get back from. And when we study to show ourselves approved unto God, that should also be our heart's desire for those that we preach to that they would be approved unto God 
that they would choose excellent things so that they would stand before God in righteousness and holiness and all these things. And also uh, the preachers that I do have a disagreement with. If, if I'm praying, uh, I'm going to pray for those men as heartily and as uh, vehemently and as fervently as I pray about my friends, my good friends who I absolutely agree with. I pray for those that I disagree with with the same fervency because I want those guys to stand before God losing no rewards with God having no complaints because I know that God has complaints with me. I know that there's things that God could hold against me if he were to turn his wrath upon me. And so if I disagree with you, I disagree with you for the sake of the scriptures and for the sake of those that might hear a heresy and be led away by it. Or sometimes it's not a heresy. Sometimes it's a subtle thing that might not change their mind about a Bible doctrine, but it might change their mind about a Bible principle or a Bible precept. And so I'm very careful and I will disagree with people about those things, even inside of my own uh, doctrinal statement, uh, even under my own doctrinal um umbrella were people who are supposed to be like-minded with me i disagree with those guys on things like that because some of those things are very important when you consider the effect that things have on others it should be very important the the smallest of details should be very important to us because a little small unimportant speck of leaven can leaven a whole lump all right i believe we've covered this uh well enough uh I would hope well enough to be just passing. I hope you understood the things that are being said. If you can't understand it, maybe you'll go back and listen to it again and be very rooted and grounded in these basic uh, precepts, principles. These are things These are things from the heart of Paul that I believe ought to be in all of our hearts. And not, not just sentiment in our heart, but understanding in our heart, principles in our hearts, uh, that we understand that whether God does it himself or whether God uses us to do it, it is God that's working in us to will and to do of his good pleasure in other men's hearts and lives to the end that they may be established. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. Romans 1.11 A great motto for any preacher, for any Sunday school teacher, for any missionary, for any evangelist. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. What a wonderful chapter. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. We'll pick up next time in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4.